Welcome to That Might Be Cool. I am Jason Hammonds, and joining me today is a writer of uh, what should be your favorite comics. Uh, he's, uh, he's got some amazing Kickstarter books out right now. In fact, you can support him uh, if you'd like by going to kickstarter.com and visiting uh, uh, La Voz de Mayo Tato Rambo. You can search it, and you'll, you'll see some amazing work. Uh, but he is the creator of that comic. His name is Henry Barajas. Welcome thanks, man. Hey, well, thanks for having me back, brother. Absolutely, man. Uh, so today we are going to be taking a, a dive into the second installment in what is possibly the biggest cosmic film franchise since Star Wars. Uh, oh, that's a big statement. It is kind of a big statement, but I, I, I feel as though in terms of like space opera franchises, uh, that, that since Star Wars, this, this may be sort of the most successful one. I don't know about the best, but, but I don't know about I Alien? Like the biggest. I guess there's Alien, but that, but that's, I feel like that's a different category, right? Okay. Like that's more adult-oriented, less family, more horror. I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. And that came out around the same time, too. You know, the Alien yeah. franchise and Star Wars franchise started. But uh, the franchise we're alluding to, of course, is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Today we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. The fate of the universe lies on your shoulders. Now, whatever you do... Don't push this button. Because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead. Now repeat back what I just said. No! No, that's the button that will kill everyone. Try again. I am Groot. Mm-hmm. I am Groot. Uh-huh. I'm Groot. No! Showtime, a-holes! Not my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. I have to say that, honestly. But after having it, having watched it uh, a second time, I like it better than I did the first time. Mm. You know? Um, what I don't... You know, okay, so let's talk about what I like about Please. it. Please, yeah. Um, what I like about it is uh, Natu, or is that his name? What? Uh, oh, Yondu? Yondu. Yondu. Yond, you see such a great, you know character development with him Mm -hmm. you know and he is a broken man yeah you know he is not a part of his group anymore sylvester stallone like gives him that like manly love hate relationship and you see this guy who's trying to right what he did wrong Mm -hmm. and that's what i love about this this movie is yondu shines yeah 100 percent, 100 percent what uh, what about your complaints? What are the things? My complaints you? is like, man, nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. It's uh, it's all about Chris Pratt, Star Lord wanting to play uh-huh. catch with his dad. Yeah, what a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that that is that is interesting. That's that's because yeah, in in the larger scheme, especially in this universe, this is a movie that yeah, the plot doesn't necessarily go very far. Um, yeah, it's called the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not my. It's not daddy issues. <laughs> That's true. I, you know, I'm so conflicted on this movie because I, 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 I like a lot about it. There's, there's a lot like the, one of the biggest things I really enjoy is the kind of, um, the analysis of parenthood, you know, of, mm-hmm. of, of, and, and specifically of relationships between a father and a child, um, whether that be a son or a daughter. Um, and it, 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 there's a lot of analysis in here, I feel like, uh, or at least just talking about, um, like toxic masculinity, you know, you have the egos of Rocket and Peter kind of clashing consistently. Yeah. You've got the narcissism of, of ego, you know, kind of 
being the sort of crux of a lot of this conflict. Um, you know, but there, but there's, there is the fact that, yeah, like it feels like the plot for about two and a half acts, the plot is pretty stagnant, you know, yeah. where they're just kind of sitting around talking and doing yeah. some stuff. And it's also about star Lord and Gamora and mm-hmm. how they're like teenagers and don't want to talk about how much they like each other. <laughs> yeah. And then it's this like psychotic sisterhood relationship between, yeah. uh, Nebula and Gamora where they want to kill each other, but they also want to love each other. Yeah. And, um, that was such a scratch. It was like barely scratching the surface. There. I agree. And you got that. You got more of that in Infinity War. Yeah, that's true. You know, you got that good dynamic of these two characters who were tortured as children, yeah. kidnapped, and then you just get this like, "I want to kill you, but I want to love you." Oh wait, this planet is going to kill Star Lord, so we should save him. Yeah, let's put this on hold. Yeah. This interesting part of the movie. Yeah. If that was what this movie was about, I think it'd be a better movie. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing. Is like they, For most of the movie, they're building an interesting theme, but they don't quite go there. And then all of a sudden, everything stops because they're going to have a giant CG fight yeah. for a little while. Yeah. And then Yondu dies and it's sad. You yeah. Know? It's about like the beginning starts with amazing CGI yes. of Kurt Russell. Yeah. And then he's like fooling around and then you go into... This like Groot dance scene, which mm. Groot's cute, but it, it all just seems so forced. Yeah. And what I like to say about Guardians of the Galaxy is that it's not about the the characters or the mm. plot. It's the music. Yeah. The music is what makes these movies. Yeah. Like if you were to explain Guardians of the Galaxy number one, mm-hmm. you sound like a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> explain. It's about... Okay, I'm going to tell you my version of Guardians Please. of the Galaxy vol- volume one. Uh-huh. It's about this guy who's an earthling who wants to steal this orb, but this green girl needs the orb. And then this raccoon with a talking tree that only says its name also needs this orb because this blue guy wants to take the orb to blow up a planet. For a purple guy. For a purple guy. (laughs) Why? Who cares? So why are they they the Guardians of the Galaxy when... They have no reason to do what they do. Like, they're bastards, and they're criminals, and they've got to a point where they want to now become superheroes. Yeah. That's that's a weird uh, motivation, but what it shines in this movie is the amazing soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. It's... I, I I like the soundtrack in both movies, and I think in this one, at least for me, this one it's it's even stronger. I think partially it's because they play the chain by Fleetwood Mac twice. You know, <laughs> like anytime anyone plays that song, I'm like, all right, fine, whatever, yeah. I'm in. Well, they also call it Volume Two. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the music is so pivotal, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what makes these movies. And it was less about that. It was yeah. more about uh, Star Lord and his and his daddy issues. Yeah, and. Um, also giving Drax a sense of humor, yeah, which was also, I guess, good, you know, <laughs> yeah, because he's having this murderous psycho who doesn't understand the nuances or of can't pick up on those weird cues. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it was just a waste of time for everybody, and I think that um, it's a shame that James Gunn is getting a third try at this because he failed too. Mm. And I mean, what what is two? I mean, other than, I mean, what, how does two affect Infinity War? Yeah. Just like, yeah, I don't I mean, know. I get, I get, it, it is, that is interesting because 
there isn't too much that happens in two. Like, you could definitely... You have a point. Like, you could definitely watch Guardians 1, not watch Guardians 2, and still pick up without missing really anything at the beginning of yeah. Infinity War. Yeah. Interesting. Because, I mean, they get the character with the little... Yeah. What's her name? Mantis. Mantis. Yeah. Yeah, and then Mantis is just as uh, forced as Vision or yeah. anyone else, and we don't get any more of Mantis in Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she really, there's there's just, basically she plays the part where she sort of subdues Thanos for a bit, and that's kind yeah. of her important thing in that movie. I, you know, and that's... If I were her, I'd be like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't have any reason to be here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> totally. Totally. I... The character of Mantis in this movie bugs me because I think that there's a lot of promise to that character here that's not delivered on. Um, she, you know, like like her relationship with Ego is kind of fascinating. Uh, you know, the fact that she she's so, like, she's kind of his prisoner, uh, you know, and she's kind of, she's terrified of him and he uses her and, and you know, there's clearly like a weird abusive dynamic going on yeah. there. But then it's never, like, it's always just joked about and like played for comedy you know like she's just sort of the butt of every joke in this movie also i mean that's kind of you know a narcissist psycho like kurt russell's character yeah who can manipulate women who has been manipulating women just for his own legacy yeah i mean that's that's a, a big thing and i i could see how that is a cool part of the story but also it's so it's so glazed over because star lord's pissed that he was used. Yeah, it's more about and and that's the that's the type of character he is. He's pissed at his girlfriends. Yep, you know, gone in Infinity War, so he jacks up the whole mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which play it makes for good story. Totally. But yeah. in this, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. What what part of the galaxy does this matter? Yeah. Like so, yeah, I understand he planted pieces of himself everywhere. Yeah. To kill them. Yeah, that, and that's that's kind of what's like very unclear with this movie too. Is and and the the big part that bugs me is when this movie starts to explode and like spread out, you know, through the galaxy or whatever. And there's like that weird blue foam stuff that just is popping up everywhere. Which also, it like it shows in Missouri or wherever it is, you know, when when ego is like spreading through the universe and like his plant is just like you know it's blowing up the city basically. Like it's strange to me that like that's never referenced in any other movie, right? Like, because this is supposed to take place, like, before Civil War, kind of, uh, like, directly on the heels of the first Guardians movie. And so you'd think that, like, at some point during Civil War, during one of those other movies, someone might be like, hey, what the hell was up with that? totally non-existent. Giant blue foam, yeah. Uh, You know, it is is kind of a very weirdly inconsequential movie um, in this universe where even, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp has more contributions to to this right. like plot that's very interesting and uh the only good th- the only thing that makes you care about this movie is yondu yeah and i and it is very like i i, I will say yondu's plot is very very strong oh yeah it's um, what makes the movie yeah and i and i and that's the thing too is like i because i do actually enjoy this movie there's a lot that i enjoy i just as soon as it starts to expand to be a different movie than what it was setting up that's where I get frustrated because, you know, the entire first two acts really is like setting up this interesting emotional story with all these characters and their, you know, parental relationships. And, and it really loses its way. It yeah. just, it doesn't. Because it doesn't matter. offer much emotional resolution for most of the characters, no. you know, like. They're exactly the same. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I love the, um, like with Yondu particularly, one of my favorite moments is the I'm Mary Poppins yeah. exchange. Like, yeah. so good. Um, and, and I like the theme of, of, you know, like sort of moving on and, and redemption and forgiveness, um, you know, because obviously like it's set up in this movie, Yondu is kind of awful. Like he's done some really awful stuff. Uh, they all have. They, they all have. That's true. This entire franchise is about really awful people. Um, and I, I like this, this, this story of like being able to kind of continuously learn to grow and become better. But I would like that a lot more if anyone actually did become better yeah. by the end of this movie. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, to, to sort of uh, touch on the, uh, the, the reviews in the box office on this movie, just in how, how it did in the larger scale of the MCU, uh, this garnered 84% positive reviews from critics. Uh, as well as eighty seven percent. It was uh, well received, audience. definitely well received. Probably, I don't think as much as the first Guardians movie. Oh no, uh, it was you know, and that's I think that's also what happens too with a lot of these is like we start to see the diminishing returns. Well, the Guardians of the Galaxy one wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to be a film. Wasn't supposed to be as successful. Yeah, you know, the, it was a it was it was a fucking uh, pass in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know, they were throwing. A touchdown with their eyes closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they lucked out. Yeah, yeah. They were they were basically just going. It was one of the movies, kind of like Ant Man or you know some of their other movies, where it's like, yeah, we're just going to try something, see what happens. You know, not banking on anything. You know, and then yeah, they they lucked out and managed to to have a really successful franchise out of it. Um, yeah, the uh, the box office returns on this one eight hundred sixty three million, which is the ninth ranked uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. So obviously quite successful. Um, uh, but yeah, it's. I think that's going to be the big challenge with three is, is, you know, James Gunn obviously coming back into the fold here, uh, is that he does have to, I think, really deliver, especially because, you know, a third movie, there's always, you know, movies are typically told in three acts. Movie sagas are typically told in three acts. And so the third movie in this franchise will have to offer, I think, some, some definable change, you know, I think. Well, it's going to have to start a new a new storyline that gives us a reason to care mm-hmm. you know I, there's there's a part of me i, I at least what hope. are what is he going to resolve in one and two mm-hmm. that will matter yeah i mean it's what i hope at least is that like a i hope that the third one is the last one i don't necessarily want any of these marvel movies to just like keep going and going and going because they're successful uh and so i i hope that in the third movie he offers this sort of chance to like finally let these characters grow past their pain grow past whatever their sort of hang-ups and misery are and kind of bring a conclusion to their arc whether that be with like you know peter and gamora you know getting married or something like that gamora's gone i mean yeah gamora's gone i i do i i doubt she's gonna (laughs) stay gone but sure i i because i you know timey-wimey nonsense um you know, and, and Drax sort of like restarting once Thanos is dead, right? Like, because there is this 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 looming sort of thing of like, yeah, Gamora, Drax, Nebula. You know, they all want to kill Thanos. Even right now, as we stand after Infinity War, obviously Peter would love to kill Thanos as well. Um, although he he got dusted, didn't he? Yes. Peter Quill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Raccoon needs to save. He needs to bring his friends back. There you go. So. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I mean, you know, there are some charming moments, mm-hmm. some cool, I mean, amazing CGI, beautiful 
artists. I mean, that's I think the unsung heroes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the artists that oh, bring my. these movies to life. Hundred percent. you know, and that movie is all art. Yep. Digital art and yeah. the Groot dancing was you know cute, and very fan service, but yeah. I didn't care, you know. It it dragged on a little long for me, but I, oh, I will man, say... Oh, man, it drags. That movie really just lingers. <laughs> yeah. Like, the scene between Mantis and Drax, mm. there's there's so much, like, are they into each other, but they're not, and then you got... You just got all the daddy issues, you yeah. know? It's just sad. I will say, in that opening scene, I do enjoy... I, I wish it would have been um, a more truncated scene... Uh, with with Baby Groot dancing, like, because I, I did get sick of all the Baby Groot stuff, but I do like the element that I like of that opening dance off scene, whatever fight, is that we get this perspective of each of the Guardians trying to kind of look after and parent Groot. Yeah. You know, like each of them it takes is kind a of, village exactly, uh, and so I like that aspect of it, especially because it sort of establishes that parenthood theme right. um, that ends up, you know, for for most of the movie being very important. I. Uh, and I, I do also like Kurt Russell's character in this movie to a point because I like that I like that, you know, if you if you're not if you don't know the comics, if you don't know the character of Ego, then for a lot of this movie you're you're kind of watching it going, you know, I think this he might be a good guy, you know, like maybe another villain comes in to like, you know, present a threat, but Kurt Russell is kind of a you know He's a charming guy. He's a charming guy yeah. and like he, he doesn't necessarily present anything awful to, to begin with, and so it's not a cookie cutter villain plot you know and and it's not but it doesn't matter it's true it's true it just devolves what he does yeah he what he's doing what he does what he's his plans are yeah to be a bo- a, a universal botanist you know it just <laughs> like it just doesn't matter yeah. at all and that's the that's the shame yeah you know um the stakes are very low yeah in this movie yeah i agree well it's weird the stakes are very low up until they become very high you know, like for, yeah, for a brief moment. Yeah, it takes too long and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a brief like setup and resolution of the actual threat. You know, it's like, it's, but it's probably the space of 10 minutes that the real threat is introduced and resolved. What does that guy want to call himself that everyone keeps laughing at him? Um, oh, Taserface. Taserface. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the inclusion That's a of good Taserface. joke. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the thing too is like they do bring in a lot of weird, obscure uh guardians lore like they introduced the original you know the original comic book guardians team as yes. ravagers you have yeah. sylvester stallone showing up as stakar um you have uh, jim valentino's uh dragon floaty character i can't re- even remember his name yeah um you know and so that stuff is cool and i think it sets up a lot of really interesting stuff in the cosmic the marvel cosmic universe apparently when they were first developing this movie marvel was wanting this to establish uh captain marvel and or nova Yes, um, I can see that. The I, Nova Corps is in the first one. Yeah, exactly. And so it felt like it would be logical. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like giving this movie any more weight to pull would like really bog it down, you know, yeah. like since it couldn't handle the weight it already had uh, quite as well as I think one would like. Um, but I think it would have been interesting to see, you know, if, if Captain Marvel had established a little bit earlier or if It if does Nova feel was. like it's in the same city. Yeah, it's in the same backyard. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Captain America was having happening across the street from them. You know, yeah, Captain Marvel and they Captain Marvel mm-hmm. and they had uh, you know the lamest uh, villain out of all of them, which is uh, what's his name, 
the guy from the first movie. Oh yeah, um, Ronan. Ronan. Yeah. Jeez, what a lame. That's the lamest. I think the lamest villain next to Whiplash. Yeah, it's it's tough for me. Like Whiplash, Malekith, and Ronan are all kind of mired in the same zone. I do think Ronan had the potential to be really good if Thanos wasn't in the first movie. If Thanos hadn't taken up so much space in the first Guardians, I think you could have. He was made in Ronan that movie for a minute. <laughs> a minute, dude. He had to give him a. He had to give him a, a purpose. Sure. Well, I, that's the thing is, I feel like Ronan could have had an intrinsic purpose rather than just like someone's telling me to do something. You know, I feel like they they set up some kind of interesting stuff that he had a weird grudge against the Kree, but then didn't re- or against the the Zandarians, but Jeez. didn't really. Yeah, what a lame guy. Lame, um, lame. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's you know, there's a lot of promise there, and I, I I again, it's like there's there's some expansion to the cosmic universe a little bit here that that's interesting. I like the Sovereign. I like how they play a part, and it seems like they're kind of this interesting c-plot that sets up what could you know end up playing a factor in the third guardians with adam warlock and and all that stuff um i also think they did a really good job of making entirely gold people look interesting yeah that was uh it it almost felt aryan (laughs) yeah in a weird like yeah they were all gold supreme like how dare you yeah you know yeah it was a weird uh uh like supremacy Group, which, yeah, which could serve to be an interesting antagonist in the future if they yeah. use it right, or it could serve to be like a weird muddled metaphor. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. We have to be great again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the kind of the thing now is like in the world we exist in. Uh, I feel like there are so many really hacky ways of like making a story current, you know, right. making it relevant. And I feel like if it's anything like Marvel, I mean Marvel is always taking like the Civil War, I mean excuse me, Civil Rights movement yeah, yeah, was yeah. basically the X-Men. Yeah, you know, yeah, they've yeah. done these things throughout its entire history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it happens in the movies, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah, no. And I it, like I'm I'm fine with it happening in the movies as long as it's like played with a deft hand, you know? I hate <laughs> yeah. it when it's just like it's it's clearly just someone airing their own grievances. Uh like I think that's the problem that season 2 of Jessica Jones fell into. Whereas, like, the first season was a very interesting analysis of, like, abusive relationships right. and, like, you know, an actual nuanced thing. The second season just kind of felt like, you know, not, uh, like, being super pissed about a lot of stuff, but not really understanding how, like, or, or processing it enough yet to understand how to deal with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, Jessica Jones is a complicated character. Season one won a Peabody Award. Like, yeah. it had a lot to follow up. Yeah. And, you know, you don't always get... You can't re- replicate that kind of success. No, yeah, exactly. You know? And it's hard. It's hard to like to to write something, you know, in such a like if if you're if you know if if some if you're very emotional about something, right? Like if there's something very strong happening in your world that you're trying to write about, but it's still happening. Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's a lot easier to write about events after they've happened. It's a lot easier to write about World War II now that we're 50 years away. Yeah. You know, that we can see the grand picture. But it's like when you're in the thick of it, you're just trying to like figure out like what do I say about these things and how do I say them, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the challenge that is presented when when trying to like make a story that's really relevant or relevant and current. And I think some people are really able to like like obviously with Black Panther, I think that's one of the movies that you know, especially as a blockbuster movie, right, was like actually able to say something about the world, right? Um, yeah, and uh, Guardians too did none of that. <laughs> did none of that. Um, and I I totally agree there. Uh, best performance and best best rising star. Um, I think I think the best rising star in this movie is is uh, Palm Clementieff who plays uh, 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 Mantis. Yeah. I think she as much as like that role. I feel like was really underserved. I think she played it really well. Yeah, 
Um, you know, and obviously, like she and and rising star, I say in perspective of to Mer- to American audiences because she had been in a lot of foreign films before. She was an old boy. She's great. Oh um, man, she's an amazing actress. Yeah, or actor, excuse me, and uh, really was able to carry it enough well to earn a spot in Infinity War. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent on that. Yeah, I think she's the best rising star. Is there someone you think that for best performance overall uh, uh, in this movie? I think uh, Yondu really yeah. brought it. You know, he made me feel bad for him. Yeah, made me happy when he found his he had his redemption mm-hmm. and his revenge and had that closing moment yeah. with uh, his son. Yeah, his adopted son, which, which is great. Like that—that yeah. that is a moment where you're like, it's hard not to get emotional right. if like those yeah oh definitely uh, um yeah michael rooker is always amazing I, th- I think the underrated and i think i think my choice would also be michael rooker for best performance i think the underrated performance in all these movies is bradley cooper oh yeah as I mean, he's so funny he's so funny and that voice like you know i think we talked about in the first guardians uh movie but you forget that it's bradley cooper yeah you know like he doesn't sound like himself he's just this raspy angry <laughs> character and yeah. he really gets in it and i and i i like that that's in him mm-hmm. you know and like you said the you know the vfx artists who really bring rocket to life like they're they it he just looks like a he just looks like a raccoon that's right. like acting which is the wildest the wildest thing um yeah i mean just just uh that and that's the thing too is like even in a movie like this where i get really you know mired down in like what is this movie trying to say is it really doing anything is it actually like delivering on its you know on any of its themes or promises uh that being said i still do really really love the characters oh of course and i think they all are like very well fleshed it's very out. character driven yeah totally it's plotless yeah which yeah. that's the thing it's like it's character driven to a fault almost in these yeah. movies um the the villain rating uh how do you how do you rate kurt russell's ego i don't know i mean i would say a five five four interesting I'd probably, for me, I'd probably be a little higher as a six just because I think that he at least is a little, like, it, for most of the movie is a little less formulaic than most Marvel villains. Um, but when he falls into the generic part, he falls fast, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I just, you don't see enough, like, uh, I don't know, I just don't see enough development in him. That's fair. It goes from zero to 60. Yeah. There is, like, no room, no questionable, you know, actions yeah. in it. You know, I don't have a... I knew he was going to be bad just because I could I could feel it, but mm-hmm. you don't get that, like, well, maybe he can be good. Maybe he, maybe he's a terrible guy. Yeah, yeah It yeah. was just like, boom. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I feel that. Uh, it 100%. Like, he just... It's just an immediate turn with, with not yeah. too much setup. Um, the, the Stan Lee cameo in this movie, we have Stan Lee, it's almost confirming the theories that it existed about Stan Lee's cameos for a long time where he's, uh, he's a watcher informant, you know, he's, that so, was funny. I, I really like that one. Yeah. It's, it's to me, like it's, it's definitely one of the better, like a seven or eight because it is in a weird way. It is kind of fan service just because fans had been like postulating that he was a watcher for so long. Yeah. Um, but I liked that. I liked him kind of telling them their stories in the middle of that weird, crazy interdimensional scene where you've got like the Ren and Stimpy yeah. rocket face going on. Um, yeah, yeah that was that cool. Yeah. I like that. It was, it's always good to see Stan and stuff and, oh, yeah. um, you know, RIP. RIP for sure, man. It is so fitting that his last cameo in this universe is in Endgame. Like that's such a weird, like kind of parallel thing where yeah. it's closing out this chapter. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he's, 
he's someone I I've I used to see at least once a month, you know, wow. for a long time, and yeah. and uh, it's there will never be another Stanley. No, you for know, sure. and it's an interesting way to see him go out, and I can't wait to see that. Yeah, man, I uh, I've been I've been reading like every. So I'm, I'm writing a thing about Stanley right now, and it's it's. Uh, I've been reading like every book that's out there about him and wow. like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and stuff, and it's been fascinating to like to dive deep in the sort of trajectory of his life and yeah. like the trying to find the reasons that he did certain things the way he did them, and and you know obviously there's a lot of controversy surrounding him with with his collaborators. Um, oh yeah, and he's he's just a very fascinating person, regardless, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, no one's perfect, of course. Um, but yeah, it, it was it that was, was a good cameo. You're right, good cameo. Um, and then we've got our credit scenes, uh, and there are five of them in this movie. Uh, the first one we have Craglin, uh, played by Sean Gunn, uh, <laughs> wearing the the fin and and trying to figure out how to use the dart <laughs> and stabbing Drax and running away. <laughs> I like that scene. It's That's fun. a good uh, yeah. Gives us a little setup to to kind of you know see where that character goes in the right. future, um, and so that one's pretty good. I'll I'll give that one arbitrary rating. I'll give that one a seven. I'll <laughs> I'll side with you. It's it was a very sneeze and you miss it kind of thing. Totally. Uh, then we get Sylvester Stallone assembling the the original Guardian slash Ravagers team. Uh, that was fun just from a pure like fan service perspective. Yeah, seeing those people. I mean, uh, ho- hopefully we get to see that in the oh, third movie. Be dope. Uh, another seven arbitrarily. <laughs> um then we get uh the i think the the most consequential or the most like uh relevant scene here plot wise is uh aisha talking to her chambermaid uh and setting up the creation of adam warlock yeah that'll be interesting to see where that goes yeah um that one to me just again because of the sort of and we'll see how it pays off but the promise of what it sets up we'll, we'll put that one up at an eight uh just to be a little <laughs> bit higher um, then we get uh, adolescent Groot playing video games in his room. Peter watching him. That's fun. I hope yeah. we don't. I hope we don't play around too much with Teen Groot. I kind of just well. To... I mean, if he comes back, he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be a big. <laughs> he's gonna be a big Woody for sure. Hopefully, um, yeah. That one we'll we'll go back to a seven for that. And then the last one, Stanley with the Watchers again, as they sort of walk away from him and him being like, "Oh, come on! I want. I got so many more stories for you." Yeah, fun. You know, you get more Stan. More Stan's always good. So we'll throw a seven again, at least for me. Didn't Thor land on their? That was the end of the movie, right? No, that was uh, in. That was still in uh, Infinity War. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, weird. Like it feels like because those things are like bookended so well, it feels kind of huh. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, that was like right at the beginning of Infinity War. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, that does it for all the the talking points, all the the stuff about this movie. Is there anything else you wanted to say uh, about Guardians Two? I love the music. I love the sound. I've met people that work on the sound in the film, mm. and it's such an important part of it, the Guardians yeah. movies. Such an overlooked part, I think. Um, it sounds great. Yeah. Sound like you're in space. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, it's an interesting yeah. part that really makes that film. And I actually will say, one, this is like the weirdest sound thing that I love about both Guardians movies, but I love that the Milano, their spaceship, I love that it makes like hot rod noises yeah. when it accelerates and yeah. goes, like it just sounds like an engine, which is unique. It's and very American, movies. very totally. like 70s Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> exactly. You know? It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Henry, uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, you have a comic that's on Kickstarter right now. Yes. Yes. I am trying to kickstart my great-grandfather's uh, biography yeah. as a comic. Uh, it's about 
It's called La Voz de Mayo, that the Rambo number two. It's part two of three. Hopefully, we're hope we're hoping to get all three issues funded in this one, but we're just shooting for two. Um, yeah, you get a Cisa Puede shirt, Cisa Puede pin. Um, we have original art. There is a option to have dinner with me. Ooh. Um, yeah, dinner with, dinner with, dinner Henry. with Henry. No one's taken that yet, Damn. which I didn't think. So. I mean, you know, whatever. So. <laughs> hey, I no, mean, if no one wants to eat with me. Fine. You never know if any if any listeners out there they want to grab some dinner with with Mr. Yeah, Henry there's Barajas. a creators um, part. Um, there's creators. I call it the creator tier, uh-huh. where you get my script. You get my out. You know, we get all. You get all our uh, concept art. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a behind the scenes look on how to kickstart a book, basically. Oh, wow. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, trying to. I'm I'm planning on writing a a, com- a book about my life in comics and how how to make comics. Hell yeah, dude! So it's going to be a a piece of that, dude. I'd be I'd be fascinated to read that because you've you've definitely for for those that don't know Henry, he's he's had a, an interesting and like you've you've had a career in comics thus far and still on the very like I, I feel like the relatively early stages of your overall career. Yeah. And there's still been so many like interesting facets of it that I right. I mean, I've been in this industry for ten years. Yeah. And it's in the last three years that it's really started to feel like it's starting to make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's how it, it kind of feels like with a lot of people in comics. Like it takes so long of like being in the industry before it actually like starts to to propel itself right. like, that your career starts to propel. Definitely. Because I heard that, you know, like Sam Humphreys, I think is someone that comes to mind where like he was in the industry for so long before. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, doing the MySpace comics. And, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, it's good for wild. him. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. good and good for you, sir. You've got a, <laughs> uh, a couple successful Kickstarter comics and I think this will be uh, the, the, the first of many to yeah. come. Yeah. Um, Thank you, brother. Absolutely, man. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter and the internet? Henry Barajas on Twitter, Henry J. Barajas on Instagram. You can oh. find me on Facebook. I'm always, at this point on my phone, ch- checking the <laughs> Kickstarter constantly. So oh, yeah, man. I will respond pretty quickly. Everyone, make sure to go support Henry's comic on Kickstarter. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. And uh, to the listeners, you'll see Henry again for Thor Ragnarok, uh, I think, the next day after this. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>